0: Well, hi again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Behind the Bench with the head coach, Craig Broby here on 101 ESPN. I'm John Kelly. Tonight's show brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The Blues enjoying an off night here in Las Vegas. Tomorrow night, they will take on the Vegas Golden Knights. The second meeting this year between these two clubs, the Blues, of course, After an eight-game winning streak, have now lost their last two. Of course, last night a 7-3 setback in Colorado, and a 3-1 loss on New Year's Eve in Arizona. First of all, Coach, Happy New Year! I know that um, you wanted to keep the eight-game winning streak going, but uh, I guess all good things must come to an end.
1: Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. Uh, Yeah, you know, I just think that uh, in Arizona, there we didn't, like I said, you know, the game was tight, close game. We didn't execute very well in that game, and. uh, you know that's what happens. Uh, they're a good team. They they play hard and they they've given us trouble for a couple of years now. So I knew it wasn't going to be an easy game, and it wasn't. And uh, we ended up on the losing side of it.
0: Yeah, your buddy Tockett has your number, doesn't he?
1: He has for a couple <laughs> years now. That's for sure. It's been tough games. You know, I think we we played them at home pretty well, and uh, just we have a tough time scoring goals against them. That's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, no question, Coach. Uh, I know last night's game is 7-3 setback, but it's a one-goal game in the second and in both games of course the game in Arizona was tied going into the third your team normally finds a way to to get at least a point if not win so I guess that's frustrating knowing that both games were there for the taking
1: yeah they are it's it's all situational play to be honest with you it's uh, you know uh, the Arizona game um you know, just a normal play coming out of our end and, you know, we cheated on a little bit and got on the wrong side of things and we talked about uh, Kessel and Hall. They always hang in behind us and that's what Kessel did and got a puck and scored. Uh, last night, Colorado, it's uh, the end of a period and we got guys, you know, not understanding the clock and the situation with McKinnon out there and he ends up getting a breakaway and scoring. It's tough giving up a goal that late in a period and the same as. in in the second period uh, killing a penalty and you know we have the puck we should clear it you know we're in the neutral zone we should put it in deep and get a change and get fresh guys out there but we don't we turn it over they go down and they score with 16 seconds to go in a period so it's just situational stuff for me and then the third period it just got blown out but uh, blown open but you know we were right there in that game if we played a little bit it's all about using your head and and situational stuff we play smarter Who, who knows you go into that out of the first period 0-0 out of the second period tied who knows so it's a different game
0: Coach, big picture. How challenging has this stretch uh, been for your hockey club going back to the two games in California before Christmas and then in Winnipeg on the 27th, home for one against the Jets and now back on the road for three? It's it's a lot of hockey and a lot of travel.
1: Well, it is, and there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, coming out of the break, well, going into the break, we're in L.A., traveling. You know, guys are traveling the next day, some of them, and flying back. And then, you again, on the 27th, you're traveling that morning we're going to Winnipeg and it's just you're right it is a lot of travel and there's a lot of stuff going on Christmas and and there's a lot of other stuff New Year's and all these things that are going on that all builds and affects your team at some a uh, little bit but in the end you're pros and you know that's what you're paid to do and you got to be able to perform with that kind of stuff that that goes on but uh you know on the, on the other side of things you know I understand the situation and the travel and it's been tough.
0: Coach as a as a head coach in this league are you always evalu- evaluating your hockey club with a, a short-term focus or more big picture?
1: Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I kind of, you know, I look at, you know, situations and how things are going and what I'm, you know, seeing. So I'll evaluate our club, you know, on these last two games and what I'm seeing. um, And we'll discuss it. And we have an opportunity to grab, you know, two points tomorrow here in Vegas. And um, that's what's got to be on our minds and the most important thing right now. But on the other side of things, we got to go over a couple things that we're seeing as coaches in the last two games that. Um are are hurting our hockey club so we're going to change
0: that so those would be exactly what and what do you work on today at practice
1: yeah well one's discipline for sure penalties we've taken way too many penalties since we got out of the break here and um, you know we got to rectify that Um, you know there's always bad calls and things like that but you know we're just undisciplined right now a little bit of frustration setting in um, I think has something to do with it too so those two things are definitely, um, you know, part of the issue that we got to correct. And the other one for me is um, <clears throat> just getting back to our team first mindset. I feel like, you know, these last two games we've become more playing as individuals and not as a team and not doing what's best for the team.
0: Coach, you talked about discipline, and certainly that was a big part of the game last night as the Avalanche had three power play goals. Do you and the coaches talk to the players about certain referees who might have tendencies or might have a temper or things like that?
1: I don't really go over referees' tempers and things like that too much. <clears throat> yeah, we talk about refs a little bit, but the bottom line is we've been one of the most disciplined teams in the league. Going back to last year, playoffs, and this year, we were ranked third or fourth in the league and penalties taken. So we're fine with all that. That's just leave the referees alone. You know, how we know how to check properly, you know. You know, and play the game properly. And there's no reason to take the penalties we're taking. We're taking these penalties because uh, you know we get frustrated, or, or um, you know, we're not we're not checking properly. That's why you take penalties.
0: All right, Craig Ruby. Let's go over the last few games. The 27th in Winnipeg, a 5-4 overtime victory by the Blues. Bozak, a couple of goals. Falk, Petrangelo, and David Prawn with the winner at 3:14 overtime. How challenging was that game? Because the Blues were not able to travel the night before because of the Christmas break. So it was it was like a preseason game where you go up in the morning, get a skate, a little rest, and play the game.
1: Yeah, for sure, it's tough. It's a you know, it's not an easy travel. It's two hours and you know, 15 minutes to Winnipeg. Get in, go down the ice, and then you know. Get you know, get some uh, food in you, and you rest up, and go play the game. So our guys did a good job, though. I thought they were energized. Uh, morning skate was good, and we we're. I, it look, we looked like we were ready to go in that game, and I thought we played a pretty good game. Um, you know, it's a tough building to go into. They're a good team. Um, And when you come out with two points in that building in that situation, you played pretty good hockey.
0: Of course, like the Blues, the Jets could not practice for three days. Is that what you you get sometimes when teams can't practice nine goals total?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think everybody's um, probably a little off on their details. And, you know, the goalie's probably not as sharp as they want to be.
0: Coach, the, the Wheeler, Wheeler tying goal, Blake Wheeler with 18.54 to go, obviously frustrating, but uh, it seems like your mindset didn't change after they tie the game.
1: Yeah, no, we stayed with it. I think our guys were good about it. Like, uh, you know, it happens. I mean, um, they, you know, your teams are going to score goals and uh, sometimes they're at the wrong time and, and a tough time. But uh, for the most part, you know, this year we've uh, been fine with uh, uh, reacting in the right way.
0: David Prawn, of course, the winning goal is fourth overtime winner, which, by the way, is a Blues club record. Have you talked to David about... The All Star um, situation. Of course, he wasn't named initially. He he could still get voted in by the fans, the last man in campaign. But uh, have you talked to him about that situation?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we've talked to him, and he understands it. And you know, he gets it all. I mean, it's part of it all. And uh, he's frustrated for sure that he he would like to be in there, but uh, that's the way it is. And uh, so he's over with it. But hopefully, something happens. He can still get in there.
0: If you get a chance to coach the All Star as the leader in the Central, what would that mean to you?
1: Well, it mean a lot. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, anytime you're coaching an all-star game, you got a good team and you're having a good year. So, it's uh, it's an honor uh, to be able to, to coach at to Coach and uh, also uh, be great to be in St. Louis, our, our hometown.
0: Absolutely. Coach, after the victory in Winnipeg, the Blues come home for an afternoon tilt on Sunday, a 4-1 win over the Jets. Schwartz leads the way leads away with two goals, O'Reilly and Thomas with the others. Jordan Cairo also picked up a couple of assists maybe his best game as a pro what have you seen from Kyra I know he didn't play last night but what have you seen from him and what does he need to do to be a regular at the NHL level
1: yeah he's got really good speed and skill Um, you know has the ability to make plays and, and score you know he's got a good shot um He's done a good job. I think, you know, we have extra players and, you know, he could be one of the guys that may be in and out a little bit. I think as a young kid at times, you got to learn to uh, play the game without the puck a little bit better. And there's some situations where he's just got to learn. It's not a – got to play it, it, to learn that. And a lot of times um, maybe when you get sat out, you come back, you're a little bit more hungrier and uh, watching in games, you can learn a little bit of something too. So he's, he's on the right path and um, he's going to be a real good player there
0: no question about it. Jaden Schwartz, as I said, had a couple of goals, now up to 13 this year. Coach, all of last year in the regular season, he had 11 goals. It seems like he was snake bit around the net. Um, What has he done differently to see the puck go in the net?
1: Yeah, I think he's getting to the net more. I think he's inside that 10-foot radius around the net. Uh, That's where I find he scores all his goals. Um, And he's getting there a lot more now. He's got some tips. I think he's leading the league in tip goals maybe, or one of them. So he's getting Inside that area, he's around the net on a power play, and uh, he's he's getting rewarded there too.
0: Does he seem like the type of player, though, that um, builds on success and it is a confident type of player?
1: Well, yeah, for sure. I think he's like any player when you're you know you're getting points and uh, rewarded that way, you you feel more confident. But he definitely uh, thrives on being confident and feeling good about himself, and and us feeling good about him uh, goes a long way with him.
0: Coach, we mentioned the Blues in Arizona on New Year's Eve, losing 3-1 to Bozak with the lone goal. You, you talked earlier in the show about the winning goal by Phil Kessel. Was that a case of him just sort of losing the coverage or was it a mistake on your part?
1: Oh, it's definitely a mistake on our part all around. Um, you know, we, we're, we we talked about Kessel and Hall and these guys hanging in behind us, and, you know, that's what they do. And uh, we just, you know, we were just – we weren't on the right side of people in on that situation and uh it burnt us uh you know it was we had four guys in our zone to one and um he ends up getting a bucket, scoring a goal so that's on us all the way
0: Coach, obviously the power play was a big factor in that game. 0 for 4, you had that extended 5-on-3. Uh, what is it about 5-on-3s this year? You just can't seem to get the job done.
1: Well, I don't think we just – I don't think we look to shoot right away, personally. I, You know, I talked about just getting shots, and, and uh, we got some real good shooters out there with Petrangelo and Perron. They should be teeing it up. Uh, I'd like to see just, you know, quicker puck movement and shoot pucks. You know, outnumber guys around the net. That's how a lot of 5-on-3 goals. Or score. They're not pretty plays all the time. So, I think we're trying to be too cute at times. Not cute, but trying to run too many plays, and and um, it's just we need to just shoot and get to the net. Like to outnumber them around the
0: net. No question about it. Coach, again, last night's loss, 7-3 in Colorado. I guess it was the details, the discipline, the late goals in the first and second periods. Uh, The game was there for the taking for your hockey club, but I'm sure it's frustrating knowing it was a big divisional game.
1: No, definitely. Um, You know, it's always a tough game going in there with the altitude and everything, and they're a very good team. Um, You know, they're, they're, uh, they're one of the top teams in the league for sure with some of the players they have. But, you know, again, I thought, uh, coming out of that first period would have been 0-0, would have been a different game but we give up a late goal to McKinnon like we did, unnecessary and then give up another late goal, killing a penalty in the second period, which we should have got out of that, get out of that period uh, if we did the right thing um, you know, it's a different game going into the third period, on the road against a good team, we're in a good situation so, like, but when you take the penalties we t- took in the game and uh, make the mistakes um, in certain situations uh, with concerning the clock and the periods and the end of them, they're probably not going to win the game
0: nope not going to win the game all right coach uh you pulled Bennington late in the game jake allen came in to mop up after they got their seventh goal uh have you thought about your goaltender tomorrow here in vegas
1: yeah well i'm still thinking about it i'm going to discuss it with uh, the goalie coach a little bit in more detail um you know we'll we'll see what we come up with but you know i think you know i'll Benner's been, you know, obviously a real good goalie for us for a long time, and he's always really responded after a loss. So that plays into the situation for sure.
0: All right, Coach, finally, let's talk about Vegas, a team that played last night. Here at home, they beat Philadelphia 5-4. Your club has never lost in regulation against this club. They're 5-0-2. You beat them this year at home 4-2. But they're a very fast team with a lot of skill. I guess the key is, like playing Colorado, or you got to negate that skill.
1: Yeah, for sure. We played them earlier on this year, and um, I thought uh, we played pretty good. We gave up some opportunities, but I thought our goalie was really good in the game. Again, um, they got good skill for sure. Um, they're pretty deep, uh, four lines. Um, so it's going to be a tough game. It's always a tough game in this building. It's, uh, it's a great building to play in. Um, it's going to be a lot of energy in the, in the game tomorrow. It's going to be a hard game. So uh, it'll be a challenge for us for sure. But, uh, you know, we need that right now. We need a good uh, challenge right now, I think, after what's going on. Um, and tomorrow is uh, a perfect game for us.
0: All right. Good luck tomorrow, Coach, and thanks for your time. Thank you very much, J.K. Okay, that's the head coach, Craig Bruby here on Behind the Bench. Coming up next, we'll talk to Blues general manager Doug Armstrong. That is coming up after the break here on 101 ESPN. And John Kelly back on behind the bench here on 101 ESPN. Pleased to be joined by Blues General Manager Doug Armstrong. And Doug, obviously, first of all, happy New Year and what a year it was—a Stanley Cup—and now your club is uh, fighting for first place overall. It's been a pretty good 12 months.
2: It sure has. Uh, you know, uh, 18 wasn't very good for us, uh, and 19 was has been fantastic with the with the championship and the team's playing very very well right now. And looking forward to the second half of the season.
0: Doug, about a year ago, as we know, the Blues were basically in last place overall. What were you thinking at that time after you know some of the trades you had made in the off-season two years ago and the free agent signings when your team was not performing?
2: Well, we felt it was a good team, but we weren't performing, and uh, it wasn't like we were a bad team. We were just <clears throat> consistently inconsistent. Uh, and we were gonna. We, we felt that if we didn't have a good string in January and early February, we weren't gonna have enough time to get back into the playoff hunt. And to the guys' credit, they went on a very good run that coincided with Bennington coming up, and uh, the rest is history. But we believed in the players, but we weren't getting the results. And uh, I'm, f- I'm glad to uh, glad we didn't have to make any hard decisions last trade deadline.
0: I know that I read an article in the summer that you were, I think, in Europe mm-hmm. scouting, and the Blues were on their dad's trip. In Florida and Tampa Bay, you were watching late at night on your computer, and, and th- that might have been the key stretch of the year.
2: Well, I thought it was. Uh, we were over there, as, as uh, the story goes, our, our pick was our traded pick to Buffalo wasn't. Uh, Was top ten protected, so uh, at that point there was a chance we'd be picking in the top ten, and we were over there. And I remember going into Florida, and we came back and won that game in the third period with a couple of goals, and then went into Tampa, and I think we won one nothing, if I'm not mistaken, and then uh, played Nashville that weekend and took both games. So we we were rolling at that point. It was the middle of our 11 game winning streak, and uh, that solidified that we weren't certainly going to be sellers at the deadline, and it was. You know, it was about an eight or nine hour time change. So it was late at night or early in the morning, but it, it's always worth uh, staying up late when, when those are the results.
0: Doug, uh, obviously Craig Bruby came in in November and has done a marvelous job, signed a new contract in the offseason. How, how was he able to get this team to play so well as a team and they continue to play that way?
2: Well, Craig's done a great job. Uh, you know, he he relies uh, heavily on experienced players, uh, and we have an experienced players on, on our roster. So I think it's a good marriage in that sense. Uh, and he's able to slowly integrate some of our younger players. Robert Thomas, uh, he brought along well last year, is getting a bigger role in our team this year. I see the maturation of a player like Kairou getting a, a greater opportunity. So Craig's able to blend uh, the older guys with the younger guys. Um, And I think he has the trust of the players. He's firm on them, firm with them, and expects a lot. And they... uh, as a veteran team, they, they expect a lot of themselves, too. So I think it's a really good uh, a mix uh, for Craig right now. He could certainly coach a, a younger team. He did that for us in the American Hockey League in Chicago. But uh, I think uh, what, what's really good right now is uh, his, his greatest strengths are, are the way our team is built with experience, and he's getting the most out of those experienced players.
0: Doug Armstrong, you were part of Dallas Stars Stanley Cup in 99 as assistant GM, and now, of course, the GM here. Uh, did this one mean a little bit more to you?
2: Well, yeah, I think it uh, it, it meant it, it's just different. I think anytime uh, as assistant manager, you you believe you're a big part of it, but uh, when you become a manager, you understand that there's a different layer there. And uh, uh, I also think that when we got to Dallas, and I think it was '93-'94, uh, it was a new franchise, and we got off to a really good start. Had some good seasons, a couple of Presidents' trophies, and. Uh, the fan base I just expected us to win because we won basically from the day we got there Uh, and then coming to St. Louis uh, I wasn't aware of the frustration that had been built up over a number of years Uh, uh, it's my 10th or 10th year as manager 12th year with the organization and so there was 40 years of frustration, and then we were able to add on another 10 or 11 when I've been there. So it was nice to uh, uh, to, to get that championship and be the part of that first group that won. And uh, it was a different feeling because there was a, a really lot of uh, a lot of uh, scar tissue built up in that Blues organization, not only for former players but former staff to To our most importantly, our fan base wanted to see us win and to be able to to be part of that. And then also, uh, I thought Mr. Stillman and, and uh, Chris Zimmerman did a great job of making sure everyone was included, JK, from our from our alumni to our uh, to our fan base. Uh, it, it was really a, a, it's a city win.
0: Certainly it was, and I, I know I saw some video um, this past summer. You took the, the cup up to, I believe, Sarnia, where you are from, your father, uh, the Hall of Fame linesman, Neil Armstrong. What did it mean to you to bring it to your dad?
2: Well, it was great. Uh, my dad was part of the Montreal teams. Uh, he officiated for a long time and then scouted. So he's part of some championship teams in Montreal, and then. Uh uh, in 99, uh, he was a little bit younger, obviously 20 years younger, so we got to enjoy it in a different fashion. Now he's uh, slowed down a little bit, but just to have some uh, quality time, he and I, with the cup and just, you know, looking at it and, and, and you know, finding our, our names from years past were really special. And uh, it was great uh, any time you can spend time with your family, but certainly with that trophy
0: involved. And people might not know, but your dad was one of the linesmen in the final in 70, the last time the Blues were in the final before last year year when Mr. War took took over that show.
2: Yeah, I I didn't know that for a fact. It, when I found out I wasn't surprised uh, uh, you know, not trying to sound I want to sound proper, but my father was involved in a lot of championships at that time in his career. He was one of the better officials and and so we did a lot of finals so when I heard he was did that final I wasn't shocked, but it was neat to see the game sheet with his name on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Alright, Doug, a, a couple quick ones for you before we go. Everyone talked in the summer about defending the cup and the you know the alleged hangover after winning Uh, you guys have avoided that how?
2: Uh, Well I think that our our A were a veteran team we came back focused I also think in in a strange way the Tarasenko injury forced us to stay laser focused when you when use a when you lose a player that you count on for half a goal a game or 40 goals in a season you understand that the task just got that much more difficult so we didn't really have much time to to not stay stay focused. I think the guys have done a great job of and now, now I think we're through the harder part of that uh, hangover. Now we're just into the season and they've got a really good flow about them. I said to Craig uh, he and I drove to the airport the other day and just the way we practice in Winnipeg, coming out of the break, and the practice yesterday prior to coming here, when you can tell when a team has good emotion and good feeling about themselves. Our practices are so crisp right now. Uh, all the all the passes are on the tape. The tempo is very high, and uh, it flows over to our games right now. So we're in a mentally, we're in a very strong spot right now. And you know, there's going to be an, another ebb and flow into this season, but we want to carry this one as far as we can.
0: And finally, Doug, what would you like to see in the last 40 games? And you just leave well enough alone with this hockey club at this point
2: yeah I think uh, what, what we want to see right now is the the maturation of some of our younger players as I said uh, uh, we've we've seen Cairo uh, come up uh, like we have to get Sanford back in there he's a young player we got to get blaze up and running I think this could be a year where our depth is is we, we won't have to trade for experienced depth players uh, at the deadline uh, the way we sit now because I think we have that uh, if we can improve our team uh, with something popping we might do that, but uh, right now I'm just excited about what the guys are doing. Uh, they, they've earned the right, as they did last year at the deadline, to stay together. I don't, you know, I don't see anything where we're going to be moving uh, uh, heaven on earth to, to make a major trade. That's not the way. That's not what's needed right now. Uh, and hopefully by February, that won't be needed then either.
0: Yeah, no question. Hey, Doug, thank you very much. Happy New Year, and uh, keep things going here.
3: Thanks, J.K. Happy New Year, also.
0: Okay, that is Doug Armstrong, Blues general manager. Much more coming up after this on 101 ESPN.
3: All right, let's talk it over with Blues goaltender Jordan Bennington. Jordan, congratulations on being named to the NHL All-Star Game. I know you participated in one of those in the American League, but uh, what's it like to sit here and realize you get to participate in one in the National Hockey League? Uh, yeah, it's pretty special. I think, uh, you know,
4: have some family in town, and it being in St. Louis uh, makes it uh, makes even better just to be in front of our home fans and in the city and being able to stay at home. Um, you know, just familiar faces around with uh, Petro and uh, O'Reilly making this team, and um, you know, it's a good feeling
3: going into uh, you know the rest of the season here. You focus so hard just on one game to the next that something like this isn't necessarily on the radar. When it ends up coming to fruition and somebody calls you up and says, "Hey, congratulations, you're you're going to represent the St. Louis Blues at, at the All-Star Game," does it put uh, the season into some perspective for you? Uh, yeah, you know, I
4: definitely had it on the list of things I wanted to do, but this year. But um, during the season, you just get, uh, you know, caught up in taking it day by day, game by game, and um, you know, hoping that uh, your numbers and, and your wins are, are going to be there to make the team. And um, that's kind of
3: how I approach uh, any goal. So, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's pretty special. So you you played in an All Star game in the American Hockey League in Providence. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, that was. Uh, that was a great year for me Um, you know I learned a lot and
4: um, had some good experiences including the all-star game and um, you know I got to go in the skills competition see what that was about and and then uh, the three-on-three tournament was exciting and up here, you actually have something kind of worthwhile to play for, so I think it's going to be more, even more intense, and uh, you know that makes it fun. So I'm excited to be part of such an elite group and um, you know wear my name proud. Is there a skills competition part you would like to participate in? I don't even know what it entails to be honest, but uh, in the in the AHL, it's just. We went in there for rapid-fire shots, so uh, I'm
3: assuming it'll be a little different this year, so we'll see what it's about. They could do uh, the breakaway one. I always thought it would be kind of fun to let some of the goaltenders participate in some of the other skills, like the passing skills too, and and, and show some of the wares on that side of the game.
4: Yeah, sure. You know, even the shot accuracy um, just make it interesting, but... um, just to see their talent but you know I, don't know I don't know
3: what it'll entail but I'm looking forward to it for sure What do you think it'll be like uh, to be around some of the other greats around the, the National Hockey League whether it be a veteran player of 14, 15 years or even some of the great young skill Yeah i just going to go about my business and uh, you know
4: try to compete on the ice, and uh, it's cool to see uh, the elite talent, like you said, the veterans and the guys who've been around for a long time, future Hall of Famers, so, uh, you know, I'll take notice
3: of that, but at the same time, just kind of take care of myself. And You mentioned the fact that it is in St. Louis. Uh, it's been such a magical year, really magical year and a half and that from from an organizational standpoint but for you a magical year since the, the date you were called up is it extra sweet that this game is in the hometown of the team you represent yeah for sure um,
4: like I said it makes it special and it's such a great sports city and uh, the city's grown on me so much and just being here for days at a time before and being able to live here and you know get a part of the lifestyle the restaurants and the people are so friendly and um, you know I think they understand the game so that goes a long way and uh, they're they cheering us on every night, so uh, they got some loyal
3: fans there. so it'll be fun to play in front of them and put on a show. When did you feel like the mental aspect of even-keelness uh, from the ups and downs of one game to the next uh, really click and become a, a regular part of how you approach the game? It, it took a while for me to understand um, the approach that
4: works for me. And, uh I think that's key. just you know that works for me, right It just doesn't work for everyone and uh, it just you know, there's a lot of preparation, a lot of uh, you know it all adds up kind of quote and um, just putting the time and, and uh, pushing myself in, in moments to be competitive and uh, consistent on a consistent basis, and it kind of just transition into my uh, into my game
3: trials and tribulations a little bit, try certain things that that might work for a little while and then maybe not long term and then continue to hone in on what works best for you individually? Yeah, exactly. You know, not everything. You can
4: take little things from, from everyone you talk to and I think it's important to, you know, talk to a variety of people not just one person and kind of see how the something they say can benefit you and um, you know, and just always be open to stuff and trying new things and, and adapting as we go because
3: things change quickly and you've got to stay on top of yourself. So you saw what it was like to be a part of a, of a Stanley Cup final run and, and, and the way that the media and stuff was handled. Now you get the all-star aspect of it too. Is it something you're still enjoying and having a little bit of fun with? Yeah, we'll see what we can come up with there. Uh, <laughs> you know, It's part of the game. I think it's entertaining and uh, I like to keep the media honest and, and uh, let them do their job too. So, yeah. I think I think keeping us honest is good. We got to be able to ask decent questions, don't you think? And and if we don't, somebody should say, "Is that the question you asked?" Yeah, for sure. Everyone has to be held accountable. So if you're at this,
4: at in this league doing some media, you got to be on your game. So I think uh, I just try to do a good job of keeping it even keel and um, you know just being open and, and
3: uh, giving the people a taste of what it's about. All right. Uh, one last thing for you here. When when you look back now, or from an All Star perspective. Uh, Give us, give us one or two of the, the biggest pieces of advice that uh, maybe a former goaltender or a coach have, have given you over the years that really has stuck and run true. Uh, I
4: think from former goalie coaches, just preparation is confidence. Um, you know, if you prepare for something well, you feel confident going in, uh, you put yourself in a good position off the start, and then uh, you know, just being with Jakey, he's, he's uh, shown me a lot, and I remember when I first came in there he just told me to play hard, and Um, you know, you can take that term as you want, but to me, it's like, yeah, just play hard and and, and don't think, just play and and let the game take over. He's he's been a hell of a teammate, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a pretty special guy, special teammate. Boys love him, and, uh, you know, he's uh, he's playing great too, so it's good to see. We got a
3: really uh, good, depth-worthy team here, so hopefully we can keep some more success coming. Well, congratulations on the honor. Uh, It'll be thrilling to see you in St. Louis representing the Blues, and uh, keep it up. Good luck, Jordan. Thank you.
0: And welcome back to Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. Our final segment with Joey Vitale is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Again, we're talking to blues Analyst, Joey Vitale, of course, former NHLer, a native St. Louisan, and the Blues getting set to take on Vegas tomorrow. The game begins, by the way, at 1 o'clock local time. That's 3 o'clock St. Louis time. That means, Joey, you come on the air at 2.30 with Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. We have the call on TV. so. It's almost surreal that the Blues are in Vegas playing against the Golden Knights, isn't it?
5: It really is. I mean, this has been a uh, a good road trip in a sense where the good cities, John, but the Blues uh, certainly haven't had the success on the ice that they've wanted. But, you know, you look at this road trip, to me this was one of those maybe season-defining road trips or at least a benchmark road trip for sure. I mean, you go to Arizona, who's in, in the hunt for the play. I think they were third in the Pacific when we played them. Then you go to Colorado, who's second in the Central, absolute powerhouse. We saw them last night, and they were just playing some terrific. Hockey, And then you go here and you play Vegas. Uh, Gerard Galland, who's going to be representing the Pacific for the All-Star game. They're first in the Pacific, and a tough Vegas Golden Knights team as well. So this is three very tough teams, although great cities. Uh, good travel here for the St. Louis Blues, but it is a little bit surreal in a building in Vegas where the Blues had a lot of success last season, and uh, now we're going to face Vegas for the first time at their building here uh, tomorrow afternoon.
0: Joey, um, if fans have never been to Vegas and the T-Mobile Arena, it's located at the south end of the Strip, about a block off the Strip. And when we walk over to the game from our hotel, it's a couple of block walk. There are hundreds of Blues fans. There are hundreds, if not thousands, in the crowd. What do you think it, it's like for the players of the Blues to see that and all the all the support? Number one, and, and almost it's almost as I said, surreal. To be playing a hockey game on the strip.
5: Well, how about the support? on this road trip I mean, in general. I know John, you and Panger, you weren't in Denver last night because of the NBC Sports game but I mean the Blues fans, I mean Let's Go Blues chanting, even in that second period when they, when Robert Thomas scores that that first goal and then Petrol scores that power play goal they got within one, three to two in that second period, you felt something coming and Curbs and I had to remove our headset because we just heard Let's Go Blues. You go back a couple games a couple days before that in Arizona uh, the Blues support there was phenomenal I know you saw it as well, Blues jerseys all over the place. So I think these St. Louis blues fans um, have been traveling amazingly Uh, this is why personally biasly i would love to see the minnesota wild in that winter classic game next year represent with the st louis blues because the blues travel so well the fan support's been incredible i can't tell you as a player what it does for you being on the road on the road excuse me and and having that fan support the jolt the energy it gives you on the bench before games and more importantly like you said just walking over to the rink i mean to me that was a cool experience last year i've never experienced a game in vegas obviously as a player and seeing it for the one time we came last year just that little walk uh fans not only blues fans but vegas golden ice fans uh playing outdoor games there's outdoor bars. Uh, I don't know about you, John, but I was never a believer. I didn't think Vegas hockey would work, right? Right when they said it, I was like, oh my God, it, it seems too distracting. Uh, it seems like I muddled up with so much casino. And I just don't know if hockey is going to be the focal point there. I, I can't see it doing well. And boy, was I wrong. It's one, one of the very few times, John, in my life that <laughs> I'm wrong. My wife will tell you. But no, I think that the Vegas Golden Knights and this whole city has just corralled around this team. What an incredible first year. Of course, it started with a tragedy, but ended up them going to the Stanley Cup final. And, and it just stuck. And now it's just glue here. And, and people absolutely love this team. Uh, fans love coming here from St. Louis. It's, it's, it's a cool destination spot where you can come to Vegas, where people love coming to because of all the entertainment and the casinos and the shows, obviously, and the weather is terrific. But then to see your hometown blues. I know a lot of fans and friends of mine, personally, that are coming in today and tomorrow that are excited to not only see the game, but also uh, take part in this great city. So that's why, that's where the combination comes in, where you see so many outsiders come in for these road games because you have the Vegas, the great city, and not only that, but the hockey game. But you know these fans have been traveling so well, and, and these players, it just means the, the world to them when you come into these visiting buildings and you see those blue jerseys.
0: Yeah, no question. It's a lot of fun. Joey, you mentioned Vegas going to the final in their first-ever year two years ago. Of course, losing to Washington in five. But, you know, when you think about it, in the decade that just ended, of course, the Blues, of course, win the Cup in 19. But that might be one of the greatest sports stories in the last 25 years, the Golden Knights in their first year going to the final.
5: It was incredible. I mean, just look at how the team was built. Obviously, the expansion draft, John, um, you know, where, you know, Teams have to protect a certain amount of players. There's rules about forwards and defensemen and goaltenders, or they can GMs can look at a set number of players to protect. So it's always fun to see the expansion draft in general, who the GMs protect, who they don't. Uh, you look at a David Perron, someone who's not protected. James Neal from Nashville, a player not protected. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, in my opinion, should have been protected, but he's not. He goes out to Vegas, it has an incredible year. Look at Carlson, what he did in Columbus, nothing, not protected. Goes out to Vegas, has success. The expansion draft, to me reminds me so much of how the St. Louis Blues team was built around Doug Armstrong. You, you have an expansion draft where you're not getting a lot of elite players. You're not getting a lot of bad players. You're just getting a lot of really good hockey players. You're getting a lot of second and third line players like James Neal. And that is something that Gerard Gallant has built his team around, and that's why they've been so successful. Now, let's compare that to the St. Louis Blues. You look at the Blues, you look at how Doug Armstrong has built this team. We don't have $10 million players like Mitch Marner. We don't have Jonathan Taves. We don't have um, the Mitch Marners of the world. You don't have the Patrick Canes and, and uh, uh, Connor McDavid, for example. We don't have those elites, the, the Leon Dreisaitls, and then a big drop to the fourth line. To me, the St. Louis Blues are built around having really good hockey players from the first line to the fourth line, very similar to what you will see in an expansion draft with the Vegas Golden Knights, and very similar to what we're going to see pretty soon with the Seattle team as well as they come into the league in 2021. So you see a lot of similarities of how Vegas was built in this expansion draft. That's what makes it so fun. Jobs open up. Uh, What a great year it was. Again, it started with a a tragedy uh, in a city. Derek England was my roommate. Uh, in the minors and in Pittsburgh. He's now the assistant captain, still kicking around in the league for Las Vegas. He's kind of been the the spokesman for this Vegas Golden Knights team because his wife is actually from Vegas. They met here years ago, and now he ended up moving back to his wife's hometown to play for the Vegas Golden Knights. So talk about a full circle. Uh, spectrum there for Derek England. Uh, Derek England, you know, he he told me about it after the year one. We were having some discussions about their first year, and he said he's never been a part of a group that's been that tight. David Perron still talks about that Vegas Golden Knights team the first year he was here. Talk about a tight team. Everyone did everything together, uh, and this again the similarities from Vegas Golden Knights, and this is why I bring this up, to the St. Louis Blues. I'm not saying this because I'm biased. I'm not saying this because I'm a Blues fan. I'm not saying this because I'm a Blues broadcaster and they're paying me to say this, but I've been around a lot of teams. This team reminds me of what I've heard about of the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a tight group. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, um, Alexander Steen, there's a lot of old uh, old hockey in them, old soulful hockey where you, have the, you understand the fact that you have to like each other and want to fight for each other to win a championship. And to me, that's where it all starts. And that's why I thought Vegas Golden Knights were very successful. I think that's why the St. Louis Blues last year were very successful. And I think this is why they continue to be successful. Another one, for example, Todd Reardon, who's to coached me in the Miners. he talked about how the Washington Capitals are a very tight team. There's no cliques. They hang out together. They party together. It's just a whole mix. I mean, John, you and I are on these planes after coming home from Western Canada on these road trips. And and this is a tight group. You hear the camaraderie in the back, guys playing cards, yelling, uh, maybe sharing a few pops. but that. That is a, an asset of the game that, to me, is very overlooked. But it's just so important because if you like each other, then you're going will, to be willing to fight for each other. And then when the game's on the line in the playoffs, when you're down by two in Winnipeg, like we saw in game five, that's when you're looking down the bench and you're like, I got this guy's back, so I know he's got my back. And then as a team, you can perform better. So the Vegas Golden Knights in their first year, the St. Louis Blues over the last couple of years, tight groups, uh, the chemistry, the character within the locker room uh, is something that can never be overlooked.
0: Again, we're talking with Joey Vitale here on Behind the Bench. I'm John Kelly here on 101 ESPN. And, Joey, last night's game in Denver, that 7-3 loss, was actually the Blues' 42nd game of the year. So they began the second half. And as we know, they had the short summer, and they'll gladly take a short summer every summer if you can win the Cup. But why has this team been able to avoid the so-called Stanley Cup hangover, and of course, right now are leading the, the Western Conference.
5: You know, John, it's a it's an interesting question. Uh, it's a question that we get thrown at us a lot. And if I, the more I think about it, the more I I can break it down to say and tell you anyone and tell you and all the fans out there that it's not just one thing. You know, it's uh, it's like a recipe. You know, my dad always said, you know, when you make a good sauce, it's really just five ingredients. But the quality of your ingredients and how you put it together is what's going to make the end product very good. And for me that's what the St. Louis Blues are. You could break it down about four or five really important things. Uh, Coaching, goaltending, this defensive group, uh, the ability of the forwards to play good defensive hockey and then the team structure. Those to me are all the ingredients of of this successful recipe that the St. Louis Blues are working with right now. I mean you can start with the goaltending, yes they're getting the save. Look at the defense. I mean, Travis Green in Vancouver said this is the best defensive group in the National Hockey League. And I agree. They're big and they're strong. They box out very well. The depth of the forwards is, is incredible. We're getting scoring all the way from top one to bottom four. A uh, player gets hurt, like Vladimir Teresinko, Sammy Blay. players just kind of step right into the system. But to me, it's, it's all these ingredients that play into the system. But probably the most important thing is the Blues are a team, as you look around the league, why they stand out is that they defend first. They're a defend-first team. It's not very attractive. It's not a very sexy look when you're a fan and you're watching the game a lot of times. It's actually kind of a boring style at times. You're not going to see a lot of flash. You're not going to see a lot of speed. You're not going to see the drop passes and the tucks under the bar like you maybe you'll see if you go watch an Edmonton Oilers game or a Toronto Maple Leafs game. But it, it is a winning style of game. And what I mean by that is these Blues are committed to understanding that that when you defend first, offense will come because you will wait out and you will rope-a-dope your opponent. The play last night, even just, I know they lost that game 7-3, to but the Blues' commitment for the forwards to be high, to be disciplined, to track back through the neutral zone, to back check, these are all fundamental things that you're taught as a kid. But when you get to the NHL, you kind of lose sight of. And compared to Jordan Binnington, his fundamentals in the net as he tracks a puck and how he gets his glove out there and he reaches for things, fundamentals are such an important part of this game still and they can never be overlooked. And for the forwards to get back the way they do, stop in the house, box out, Stops and starts, good sticks all over the ice, those are just fundamentals of good defensive, structured hockey, and this is something that the Blues have been taught from their coach, Craig Berube. Uh, The veterans, it will filter down to them. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Alex Petrangelo, Alex Steen, they will implement what is being taught by the coach. And then the rookies, younger guys, and middle guys, maybe middle veterans, like your Jaden Schwartz's and Braden Shenz will follow suit right in that mix. Now, all that sounds good, but when you start losing, then it kind of starts going all over the place. And this is why this team has been so great, because you got the coaching, you got the veterans, you got the structure, but they started winning games around this time last year in January. And when you win, it's such a contagious feeling and then it just snowballs where you really buy into the system, you buy into the coach. And this is something that the Blues have just done such a wonderful job of. But starting defensive first hockey, defend first, take care of your D zone, and then get creative by the second, third period. And this is why they've been punching hard late in games and winning a lot of games this year.
0: Of course, Joey Vitale would use a food analogy to describe a hockey team and the way they're built, <laughs> because you're the bread man, as we know. You're the bread man. You know, you mentioned all those things, Joey, and while you're you're talking, I'm thinking all those things are really hard to do, mm-hmm. to play good defensive hockey, to be on the right side of the puck, to forecheck with tenacity, to be physical, to, to be disciplined. So I guess the question is they did it all spring. Now they've done it for 41 games, if not 42. Can they keep it up in the second half and have another good run?
5: Well, I think think they can, John. And I think that if you look at all those things you just described – how can a team continue to do that? Why are they so good at it? And it kind of comes full circle to what I was talking about earlier as far as, you know, they do it because they're there for each other, because they enjoy each other, because they want to win together, because they are a close unit. And much like a family, John, I mean, you do anything for your kids. You do anything for your wife. Sometimes things that are, are, are hard, like blocking a shot, right, for some of these players or making a hard wall play. Those are those hard areas, but when you're doing it for a family – like these Blues feel like they are, then, then it's very easy to do when Robert Bortuzzo goes out there and takes five block shots off Patrick Lining on the one-timers in Winnipeg after Christmas. I mean, those are the little things that you make sacrifices for when you care about the people next to you. So to answer your question, I absolutely think they can because with this group, with the solidarity, with the character, with um, the chemistry amongst all the players – Uh, You see them in the locker room. You see them smiling, goofing around on the plane, uh, being around each other on dinners. Uh, A small thing, and I know I'm getting a little off subject here, but when you go to the lobby, I've been on teams where you have rookies kind of go to dinner. You have maybe a couple of the veterans go to dinner. A couple of the older guys go to dinner. Maybe the goalies go to dinner by themselves. It was clicky on some of the teams I've been a part of. You know, Seeing the Blues meet together in the lobby on nights out, I'm sure you've seen it too, John. They kind of all meet to the lobby at 6 6 p.m., 6.30, and then they just kind of decide who wants to go to steak some guys go to steak who's, who's who's in the mood for italian they get italian group group goes to italian who feels like sushi it's it, then they kind of spread out from there based off what everyone wants but they come together first and then then they decide who's going where it's not about i hang out with this guy over and over and over on the road trip or i only hang out with ryan o'reilly or jordan binton you'll only see him with jake allen it's not like that so i think that when you have a group that is as together and as a unit I think you can keep playing that way. Assuming you have the coaching style like Craig Bruby is where he's very hard on players, he keeps players very accountable. I mean, even in that 7-3 game last night in Colorado, late in that game, it was a pretty much, it was a done game. Two minutes to go, you see Craig Bruby, he was still yelling you know, on the bench. He was still trying to implement something on the bench, whether it was about a certain player maybe not making a play late in the game. Even though the game was a complete wash at that point, he's a coach that holds players very accountable. He's hard on players in a very healthy way. I think players respond well to it. So when you have a group that's as close to the Blues and you have a leader like Craig Berube who expects a lot out of you and keeps you accountable, um, those are some of the the very undercover things that are very hard to find in teams why they are become so successful. But when you have it, it's like that golden nugget. You, want, you don't want to let go of it. You want to keep it and you want to ride that wave as long as you can. So I, without question, I think the St. Louis Blues can continue this play um, all season long, assuming they continue to get really good help from a lot of their leaders. And, uh, and to be truthful, John, I mean, you look at, you look at how long this season is. Uh, it, it's one of those crazy things where as long as it is, sometimes it's good to get punched in the mouth. I mean, sometimes when you get hit like the Blues were last night, it kind of humbles you just a little bit. I mean, this is the St. Louis Blues team. You win the Stanley Cup. You come into the year. There's no hangover. Now you're you know, close to reaching top of the West, and now you're top of the league. We got very close to catching the Capitals before the new year. I mean, there really hasn't been a ton of adversity for the St. Louis Blues. The Blues would not have won the Stanley Cup last year if it wasn't for the adversity they faced in November and December. So adversity is very healthy. It's a good thing. I think getting punched in the mouth last night in Colorado was very healthy for this team. I think they will look back on this loss over the the course of the next two months and realize it is something that propelled them forward. Now it's almost like you know after talking to a couple of the players there's something to reach for now there's something to say hey they're the big dog we have we we saw where the benchmark was last night with the Colorado Avalanche and how well they played now now we can k- kind of like almost go after that now they're chasing again and sometimes chasing is a good thing so that's all the Blues did last year in January and February was chase chase their way to a playoff spot and of course went in the Stanley Cup
0: well said Joey Vitale excellent work um thank you for your time and uh Let's hope the Blues can get a win tomorrow here in Vegas.
5: John, can't wait. Now, let's go do Vegas, you and me, buddy. When you hit the card tables or what?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. That's the great Joey Vitale here on Behind the Bench. Thanks, of course, to the coach, Craig Berube, and Blues general manager, Doug Armstrong. That's our show for tonight. Again, the Blues are in Vegas on the air at 2.30 tomorrow on 101 ESPN, and we'll have the coverage, of course, on Fox Sports Midwest. Thanks for joining us tonight, and have a great night, everyone.